0: Hey everyone, it's Sanira here. CEO School is officially part of the HubSpot Podcasting Network. We're now part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts like the Gold Digger Podcast hosted by Jenna Kutcher. The Gold Digger Podcast helps you discover your dream career with productivity tips, social strategies, business hacks, inspirational stories, and so much more. I recently enjoyed listening to Jenna share 12 personal boundaries she set up for herself, and that you can also borrow to protect your own peace, whatever that looks like to you. Listen to the Gold Digger podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome to CEO School. I'm your host, Sanira Madani, and today you are in for a special treat because I have an entrepreneur with me today, Ali Schwebel, who is CEO of Vibrant Body Company, which is a intimates beauty brand. But before... Becoming CEO of the company, Ali is also part of Beauty Counter, where she spent eight years building a business for Beauty Counter that is the leader in clean beauty. As an entrepreneur first, Ali was invited to become the CEO of a already founded company, which is one of the first times I've ever interviewed a CEO that was not a founder. So today you're in for a treat because we're going to talk about some of the biggest myths of becoming CEO, her biggest lessons, maybe some aha moments that I'm going to share along the way about my entrepreneurial journey, as well as seeing what it takes to actually grow and scale a B2C company, such as an Intimates company, and what they're doing at Vibrant Body to really change the course of not only clean beauty from what we know it, but also from the inside out, from the first layer that we put on, from our bra to our underwear. So Ali, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you today. Thank
1: you for having me. So it's funny. Everything hindsight is 2020, right? Um, when I look back at how this all happened, it seems like kind of linear. But um, so went to college, graduated, moved to New York, worked in retail, um, ended up moving to Chicago, still working in retail, and met my husband. Wanted to stay home with our kids actually tried to go part-time, but the company I was working with at the time was not open to part-time. So I decided to stay home with my kids full-time. And for about four years, I stayed home with my kids. But when they got about to be two and four, I realized I had a little bit more space and I needed something for myself again. And in walked the beauty counter opportunity, which at the time, I never thought I would do any type of direct selling. I thought I had a lot of misconceptions about that industry, but I was leading, leading a cleaner lifestyle. I was feeding my kids organic food. I thought I was making safer choices. And to find out about the lack of regulation in the beauty industry was really shocking to me. And you know, you're a mom yourself, moms talk, and no one was talking about this topic. And I thought, maybe that's my job. I need to inform my friends so they can make safer choices on the products they're putting on their children's skin. So there began my eight year journey with Beauty Counter. It was honestly just at first something to get a discount and to just share education. And I was able to build that into a very significant business for myself over eight years. And it's because of that experience and that business I built with Beauty Counter that the founder of Vibrant came to me about a year ago. And to be honest, when he came to me the very, with this opportunity, the very first thing I said was no. I was like, my actually, it was funny. He came to my husband because he and my husband know each other. And I told my husband immediately, like, no, I don't need that. I actually homeschooled our kids last year during COVID. Um, I was looking forward to this year being about me getting back to myself again. But my husband convinced me to sit down with the founder. We sat down with him. And once we left that meeting, I just I couldn't say no, even though, you know, I said no initially because I thought, I'm not qualified. What does he see in me? He must be crazy. Like I'm a mom. I've never done anything like this before. I'm not totally buttoned up. I don't have an MBA. I don't have those, you know, the words that I feel like we associate and the polish associated with what I would think a female CEO would be. So I just didn't see someone in that role that i could identify with but when i learned more about the company i fell in love with the products i realized this is something i know about i know about clean i know about educating people about what they put on their bodies and i because i love the products that was really what made me lean in and say yes because i truly believed that people need to think about what they're putting on their two most porous areas i think they need to know about the lack of regulation and textiles that the same ingredients I was fighting to get out of our personal care products can be in our fabrications that we're putting on our body. And I think that's something I appreciated knowing. And I think that a lot of people would
0: appreciate knowing. And so you were approached, I mean, you were running, you know, your own business with Beauty Counter. It's successful. You have kind of your freedom of time, freedom of dollar. It's why you started in that journey. And then you get approached by this opportunity, but you didn't feel what I hear is good enough for the opportunity that was presented.
1: I just, I didn't, I'd never anticipated that opportunity coming along. I thought I was just going to continue to do Beauty Counter and work for myself. Like, I felt like that was my path. Um, and I just never, I just didn't have a, a role model that I could look to that I could be like, oh, there's a female CEO I connect with. I mean, for me, I think it's a stereotype. I was, you know, putting women with perfectly done hair and a great blazer and, and just looking like they have it all together and having the MBA and done that corporate ladder. And this was so different from what I envisioned that path to be that that was really intimidating for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, you didn't go to CEO school, right? That's what we call it here. No, no, I didn't. There's no no such thing. And I think that was part of my journey as well. So I can really relate to... Um, that feeling. So what took place next in, you know, deciding uh, to take on this challenge, take on this company? And can you tell us a little bit about the scaling journey um, of of, uh, Vibrant Body Company?
1: Well, so it was was a lot of conversations with my husband um, and just really thinking about what the opportunity could be. I mean, what I really give him credit for is he said, you know, you don't have to know everything. He's like, but you know what's not right. And that's the first step. Because I at that point, I was really I feel like I'm lucky coming in as a CEO and not a founder because I haven't had that seven year journey of having to and raise those first funds to come up with the product to, to do those. I mean, it's all I mean, anyone who's founded their own company, I can imagine it's just such I wouldn't I don't want to say a slog, but there's so much work that goes into that. And I feel really. It's beneficial to me that I come into a point where we have this amazing product. We have a patent on this product. Things were kind of set up for me so that I could come in and kind of see the things that I thought weren't working as well, one of them being our branding at the time. So if you actually scroll back on our social media back to like September of 2021, you can see a completely different look for the brand. And that was something I knew right away. Like, I knew that I loved the product, but I wasn't emotionally connecting to the brand and or their social media. So that was something that I really knew that I could affect right away. And so I actually called on a person I worked with at Beauty Counter and she came in as a freelance designer and really helped us to create a brand that people can have an emotional connection to. We actually looked back at female, uh, like uh, women's power and women's equality posters from the 1970s and use that as our kind of jump off for the branding. And so I think we've been able to do a really great job of really transforming what people see when they come to the brand, because that's really important, that emotional connection. There's so much out there. If people come to your page or if they come to your Instagram and they're kind of like uninspired, that there's no reason for them to stay.
0: I, I fully agree. I think that your your brand and like where, you know, what you rep- what you present to the world is how the world is going to perceive you and your brand. doesn't matter how great your product is or not. You can't, you're not going to be able to get it in the hands of customers if you're not effectively telling your brand story. So I fully agree here. Um, could you tell us what is yeah. certified clean first layer? Okay. So the actual product certified clean first layer is actually
1: trademark terminology because here's the thing. When I came in as well, we are in the intimates category, and the best way to describe us is clean intimates. But for me personally, that word intimates is such a male gaze word. It's a it, it makes you think of lingerie. It makes you think of sexy. It doesn't make you think, which is what we're doing with clean layer, that is truly that first layer you're putting on your body, a woman is putting on that makes her feel confident, that makes her feel about herself. It's not about what anyone else is looking at her and judging her on. It's about how she feels in her body. So the first layer is really our terminology for that intimate category. And certified clean is
0: because- Which is bra and Ocatec- underwear. I just want to, we're just like not saying the Oh, one. sorry. Sorry. Yes.
1: Sorry. So we have one bra that actually has a patent on it. We have three tank tops and three pairs of underwear. We are a very tight collection.
0: Okay. So it's bra and underwear line. Yes.
1: Braun underline currently.
0: Why not just say that? Um, I guess maybe because
1: we I mean, that's a good question. I guess I could just say it. Certified Clean First Layer is because we're trying to build a category though. So it's going to go beyond bra and underwear. Like currently we're working on a nursing bra. We're working on something for tween. I see a world where we'll be able to work on leggings and sports bras and some other things that we on that first layer. So as a company, we're a first layer company, but we do at the moment just do bras, tanks and underwear. Yeah,
0: I I mean, I see like I I see the benefit in, in certified Clean First Layer. Like I think that it's a uh, I love that it's a category. I love that you're talking about the textile itself and it being the first layer that we put on as women, like just as women, it's the first thing that we put onto our bodies. So I like that it's a, a clean product. I've never really thought about textiles in the clean space. So I do love that approach. Right. And so
1: I think that a lot of people, when they think of clean and textiles, they think about GOTS certification, which is a organic uh, cotton certification, which you only can have if you have organic cotton. And our products are not made of organic cotton. So for us, we the certified clean comes from our partnership with Okotex, which is the international standard in textile safety. You see it a lot in bedding, mostly in this country. In Europe, it's very standard. But basically, it's an organization that has certain levels of standardizations of their certifications where everything that we do is certified to be yeah. free of harmful chemicals. So they're is an exhaustive list that your products are tested against. So you can be certain that with our products that are certified clean, what you're putting on your body is not gonna be harmful.
0: No, I think I think it's wonderful. Are you guys direct to consumer? How do you guys distribute your product?
1: We are direct to consumer generally, um, but we are, we are in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we have a studio here. And so we do all kinds of events in the studio. Um, we actually had a great back to school event last week, which was really fun because when women try the product on, it, they, there's an instant connection made. And we we're very lucky in that our master bra designer is still with the company and she offers virtual fittings and in-person fittings. So if you happen to live in Milwaukee, you can actually come in and be fit with her in the studio. But if you don't live here, you can actually on our website, there's a link and you can set up a free Zoom fitting and she'll help you measure yourself and figure out what size you are. Because 80% of women are wearing the wrong size bra. Most women have never been properly fitted in their lives. And a lot of women are still wearing, you know, either their bras from when they were nursing their kids or they're wearing the same size they thought they were before they had kids because they've just never, nobody likes to bra shop. It's like shopping for a bathing suit. It's yeah. it's not something people are excited to do.
0: Well, you know, can you t- tell me a little bit about, you know, now that you've come in as CEO, which I think is so interesting. I think this was part one, like a uh, conversation Allie and I were having before the show. Because usually when we, you know, when I'm interviewing female founder CEOs, well, when I'm inter- interviewing female CEOs, I don't think I've ever interviewed a non-founder CEO because most women as CEOs usually women don't come in to be brought in as CEOs, right? That's that's not usually the case for um for for women in general. I mean, women are we're not considered CEOs in many different industries, right? And so I do think that that part was really interesting. Now that you've kind of, you've come in as CEO, which I think is so incredible. You talked about you had, there was a male co-founder. So I saw like that makes complete sense for a female to run a intimates brand apparel. What are kind of like the biggest learnings that you've had coming in this last year? Besides just like the business marketing, kind of like those kind of learnings, talk to me about. Overall, for like the vision of the company, you know, how is your vision compared to the vision of the founder? Like, what have been some of like your biggest um, learning moments, as well as your biggest like exciting moments?
1: So, I think the biggest thing I've learned this past year, and it, it comes from the fact that I have not been in a position like this before, um, is to trust my instinct because I think coming in, I had insecurities about my lack of experience in this role and and the way I pictured this role being, and so. When there will be conversations around certain topics, I'm I'm very much a collaborator as well. I'd like to gather everyone's feedback and kind of process it and take it as my own. But what I have learned through a couple of uh, things that have happened this year is that I have to trust my instincts and lean into that because the times when I haven't, they've been validated later. And so I think that was really huge for me coming in, like, again, coming in and not feeling like I had the experience that I thought I should have for this type of role to be validated that my instinct in those moments i went against them and it proved that was the wrong thing to do. So for me, like that's a big thing i want to to share with women. Mm-hmm. Our instincts are really powerful and they're ours because of our experience and that you should really lean into those instincts because i have been proven over this past year that those were always the right ways, that was always the right thing to do. And i think it can be easy when, you know, i have a founder who's a male who is older than me too and so there's kind of that normal dynamic that i would say that i that happens that he's a lot more experienced he's you know had a couple of companies and and so i think the tendency can be to be more open maybe to to his feedback but he is he brought me here for a reason he brought me here for my voice he brought me here for my instinct and so that's what i remind myself and he's a wonderful person we have a very open relationship um we collaborate very, very well. I think he's a really interesting guy, and I think I don't think I could work for any man. But I think I work. We work really well together. We really the, our strengths and weaknesses really balance each other out really well.
0: That's amazing, and that's that's so important in any even in a, any sort of partnership, co-founder relationship, executive team relationship to kind of surround yourself with the areas that you don't need to have it all together, right? I think that's also been my biggest learning is that you don't need to be the smartest person in the room, right? You need to you need to be able to surround yourself with the areas of opportunity that you have or that you need to that your company needs and then you have to lean into the areas that you feel that you can provide the most value in, and that's perfectly okay. And I think that's so yeah. important.
1: I think that's so important because I think we're taught, and maybe I even had this misconception that we have to be good at everything. And so, but I've really realized, and I have to say the CEO of Beauty Counter really helped me with this a lot because she's really led vulnerably over the past eight years. And and I really think a lot of me saying yes to this opportunity was watching her leadership style and, and seeing that she was someone who admitted to not having it all together and that she said... You have everything you need inside you to be successful. And I think that what really did it for me was understanding, like, I have certain skills that I'm really good at. And then there's some skills I'm not so good at. And I don't have to be good at those ones, too. I just need to bring someone in who's going to have those. I mean, You cannot be good at everything. So I think you have to be really honest with yourself what you're really good at. And then, like you were saying, like, bring in someone who can complement you in those areas that you're potentially weaker.
0: It's October, and that means you're probably in the final stretch of your fiscal year. And in this macroeconomic climate, you're also probably thinking about how to best optimize budgets and scale operations in 2023. But you don't want the best probable solution to deal with whatever comes next. You want the best solution, period. Whatever stage your business is in, HubSpot's CRM platform is ready to scale with you at the flip of a metaphorical switch. With totally customizable hubs, HubSpot has thousands of apps that you can easily integrate, use, or get rid of whenever you need them or don't. Plus, transparent costs and an intuitive interface means that there are no fancy frills for us to hide behind. That's because HubSpot isn't here to probably grow your business. It's here to help your business grow, period. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers through the door is even harder. But getting paid shouldn't have to be. This is where Stacks Payments is here to help. As an intuitive platform for invoicing, recurring billing, in-person, as well as online payments, Stacks is a one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stacks has one flat fee for the month instead of percentages you can't understand. Stop spending time tracking down customers or payment tools that fail on you. Set your automations up with Stacks Payments today. As CEO and founder of Stacks and CEO School, it's been my mission to support female leaders, founders, and CEOs. With Stacks, I'm able to do so by providing fast, easy, and affordable way to process payments every day for you. Yeah. and Now tell me a little bit about what has been the hardest part about like something that you were like, Oh my God, I did not know what I was walking myself into as now being CEO. So going from entrepreneur, uh, with the beauty counter to now CEO of running this organization, what's been like the biggest, like wall you've walked into like, Oh shit, I wasn't expecting that.
1: I have to be honest. Like I haven't had anything major like that. I I feel like I, okay. For me, what I was most worried about is not being able to balance my time as well. Like I'm still being a mom is my first job title. And so being there for my kids is really the most important thing. But because of the founder that I have and he understands that, like I've really been able to blend and create two separate lives basically for myself. So when I'm at work, I'm at work. And when I leave, I'm at home. And so for me, it's been really important for our corporate culture to really instill that so that know that people are not supposed to be checking their email out on the weekends. They're not supposed to be checking anything after a certain point in the day. Like I really want that balance that's somewhat impossible, but I want to be able to un- people to understand that life and is more important than work. While we're going to be at work, we're going to work really hard, but I really want you to be able to have that balance and enjoy that other part of your life. So I don't know that, I I can't say that there's been anything that's just been like, oh shit because I feel like it's all just been such a great learning experience. And I do feel like I had to go through like whatever little struggles I've had along the way. I've learned so much. And I think you can't learn unless you do kind of bump into some of those things. And so I think they're all really important.
0: Well, that's exciting that there hasn't been any any big surprises. I won't promise you that for long, though. I know. So you've, got, no, <laughs> you've got to report back when that when that big surprise happens. You got to text me and be like, "Scenario, OK, it happened here. Here, Here's what it is. Usually, for, for me, at least, uh, kind of like looking back on my experience was, I guess, like, my biggest surprise in scaling my business was I always thought that it was going to get easier. I think, like, that was, like, the biggest, like, like um myth that I had was like, oh, the more like the next hire that I get or when I when I'm at 10 employees, when I'm at X amount of revenue, when I'm at blank, it was always this like when it was that next milestone. I had it in my head that it would absolutely be this like game changer flip magic moment. You know, fairies would fly and then, oh, boom, like my life would just it the problems would get solved. And I think that was the biggest myth for me that I've not only I've learned now for the last 10 years of being an entrepreneur, now we're at 300 uh, plus employees and 100 plus million in revenue. And it only gets harder, actually. Um, but the thing that I would say, just to kind of close off this, is the thing that I would say that that has made it that I, that it's not that it gets easier. You just get better. And you get better at solving the problems. You get better at those challenges. You get better at figuring it out. Because you, you you learn from experience. As you and I just talked about in the beginning, it's not about what you know. you know. It's about that experience and, and, and what you're learning. I think that that's what's more important is what you're learning along the way. And I think that that honestly was my biggest – like now I look back at those 10 years and I'm like, yeah, that was the biggest aha moment for me that it just doesn't get easier. You just get better.
1: I think that's amazing. I think that's – and I can relate because I have said, I'm like, it's just so messy. <laughs> like I'm just surprised. I guess that would be the big surprise. I'm just surprised by how messy the journey is. You know, you you see, and I think that's the problem maybe with social media and the world these days. You look at these Instagram accounts that are so beautiful and they've got these great products and whatever. And then you see that they only actually have two employees or this is, you know, it's just fascinating to me. And like my daily life, I, it's just so messy. Yeah. Like getting products produced overseas or the certifications, like, and it's, it nothing moves as quickly as you think it should or you want it to. And it's just... Like, and the, and the things that I'm doing, like yesterday, for example, like we were moving our huge trash cans back into our warehouse because they got left out overnight. Like the varied tasks that I'm doing on any daily basis <laughs> is fascinating to me. So
0: you're also the garbage lady, garbage lady, not and normally, CEO. but
1: I was yesterday. Cause sometimes you just have to make it happen. Like yes. I had to beg the trash guy who came yes. around to dump our trash because it was full of water. And like, sometimes you're just a problem yes. solver really at the end of the day. And I think that as women, we are so good at multitasking that it just, you just kind of move from one thing to the next. Um, but I think that that can be a problem too. And one I'm trying to get better at, because I think, you know, for me, it's been because I come to work and then I leave and go home, I've been able to really separate Mm -hmm. that wall between business and life. But I think that for people who are working from home, it could be, it's just such a harder separation because you're, Living in the space you're working, and so you can't really ever shut it off as well. So I feel lucky in that regard.
0: You know, I can actually really appreciate that. And I feel lucky in that regard too. So I have a physical office in Orlando. I'm actually physically in a studio right now filming. I really do try to separate out when I go to work from when I'm home. And for me, that's always at least helped in having some sort of boundaries. Um, and staying a little bit sane, not that like I'm also put together, but like just staying a little bit sane. But what are your thoughts on as you scale the company and just thoughts on remote work in general? Because I would say half of our company, I mean, we have a headquarters in Orlando, so we have about 150 individuals here in office. We have a hybrid work environment. Um, so some people just depends on what role they're in. Some people work full-time remote, some people are in office four days a week. So it just, it's very varied and it's dependent on, we've just let the team and their managers kind of dictate what works best for their teams. But what are your thoughts um, in that? Because we have such a challenge right now in communication, collaboration, and just want to get your thoughts as like an in-office setting, because I don't hear that very often as well um, as I interview more and more founders.
1: It's so interesting because As CEO, I have different opinions, I think, than I would as an employee. Mm, Um, No,
0: tell me those first. Let's get get real. So,
1: yeah. Well, I absolutely appreciate working from home. Absolutely can appreciate and did with my beauty counter business. Like just, I just absolutely appreciated that and, but there is no replacement for collaboration that happens in person. Like there really, there isn't. The spontaneous collaboration, the random thoughts, So it's been a challenge for me because I I believe you have to offer some type of hybrid work Mm -hmm. environment. There's just, you have to. And especially with us being a really small company and our benefits and and things like that being so, really, this is the only thing we can offer, you know, that we can offer as a benefit to our employees. So we do have a hybrid environment because I do understand that people appreciate that. And I completely understand appreciating that, but we kind of work with different, Everyone has a little bit of a different schedule, but we only have three full-time people and two part-time people. So everyone comes in on Tuesdays and Wednesdays for collaboration, and I make sure that I'm always here on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I'm here every day because I prefer to work in the office. It just works better for me mentally. Um, And then we have other people who come in Monday through Thursday, only in the mornings, because... Also as a mom, like I really want to make sure that we're flexible for women and so that part is really important to me too. So one of the women comes in four mornings a week because she has kids in school. Um, we have an intern who works for us so she comes in the days that she's not in school. So I do believe you have to offer a hybrid, but I think that it's really important to make sure you do have scheduled collaboration days because the the work that gets done on those days and the ideas you just there's no replacement Slack can't replace it, phone calls can't replace it like you really have to have that.
0: I fully agree. And I I kind of, you know, as I think about the future state of work environment, it's becoming more and more remote. And, you know, for those uh, that are listening that might have, you know, employees virtually or have smaller teams or that don't have an office, I do think that finding ways to collaborate or bringing everybody in person once a quarter or meeting up or doing team retreats, I think there's other ways to ensure that that collaboration, that strategic thinking takes place outside of the computer screen. Um, is super important. And then also even structure, I think, so that honestly, I think you need more structure if you have a hybrid, if you have a remote work environment um, than you do an an in-person environment. And I think sometimes that the structure may feel kind of like, well, we're supposed to have more flexibility if we're working from home. But I think that having the structure actually enables better work-life balance for the people. And so I think just really thinking through how you manage your teams, how you manage collaboration, I think these things are super important. And if you are lucky enough to have a space where you're able to have primarily your team members come in, at least having a few days in office can really help with the brainstorming the ideas the innovation the water cooler talk that just isn't going to take place on slack
1: it just isn't and i value it so much i really look forward to those days when everyone is in because there's i mean you know- there's only so much time I want to be alone, you know, and, and send Slack messages and, and things like that. Like, I really need to talk through things. I need to, you know, like you were saying, the water cooler conversation, the ideas like even yesterday just came up with this random idea because we were in the office talking about things. And like, you just can't replace that. And I do know a lot of younger people who are coming out of college and going direct to remote. They're not even experiencing that what we've had. You know, because we're been in the workforce longer, like that collaboration or or office, how to behave in an office, how to, you know, how that you know, how that works, how the mentorship. I mean, it's hard to mentor people when they're not in the office. So I think that it is a disservice to the younger people these days if they go if they only are remote, because you're just not getting that culture experience
0: that we're all so lucky to have had. I, I really, I really agree with this sentiment. It's something that I really do feel like I fight for as a CEO. Um, and it's definitely really hard because I really empathize when you said my thoughts as a CEO versus my thoughts as an employee. And my thoughts are always for my employees. So I've always been really proud of the culture that we have. And at the end of the day, we have to run a business in order to have employees, Right. right? Cool. Isn't a business. Like, cool is not a business. We have to have a successful business to have employees. And in order to have a successful business that is growth-focused, that is innovative, like, that is that is going to stay ahead of competition. If we were just, you know, pushing papers all day and it's the same things, I can completely understand how in giant corporations, you know, you could probably do your job without having any sort of communication um, with any any humans. But right. I don't think that you're going to have at the company that we're looking to build and grow. It requires um that human interaction and so separating myself like you know from as a CEO and as an employee it's that balance of having to say how do we actually sh-, like have that vision also you know, having our employees also want that same vision as well, and it's something that, as a CEO, that's your most important job to do is to rally your people behind that vision, rally your people around collaboration and innovation. So I fully support it, Ali. I can sit here and talk to you for another uh, another hour, uh, but we're going to be wrapping up here. Would love for you to tell us about how we can support you with Vibrant Body Company. What's next? Where do we find you? Um, and how do we support and get clean bras and underwear?s Right now, but intimate. Where um and uh clean first layers how do we get our our official first set of clean layers
1: yeah so we're uh, obviously on the web so vibrantbodycompany.com and on social media vibrantbodycompany.com um, or sorry at vibrantbodycompany and then we're also doing a little tiktok now which is kind of exciting um but you can you can go on the website You can book a virtual fitting with our master bra designer, which I really encourage to do. Believe you do not get naked. I want to say that right now. You're not ever going to be naked on Zoom. You're going to be wearing a tank top or a bra. She's going to help you measure yourself. And you're going to be able to order truly the most comfortable bra you've ever put on your body. We never really talked about our bra. So I'm just going to talk about it really quickly. It is truly the most comfortable bra I've ever put on my body. If you're used to wearing an underwire please think about wearing a non underwire. Those wires are not great for us. The compression that happens in the lymph nodes underneath your armpit, it's not allowing your toxins to flow and it's not comfortable. I mean, if you're familiar, what's interesting about talking about bras or working in this space is that people are so passionate about bras. I've been in conversations where someone behind me has heard me say the word bra and they've interrupted the conversation to be like, what are you talking about? I need a new bra. Like you talk about bras with women and there is passionate response. And I will tell you, most of the time, it's because they hate their bras. I have rarely yeah. met someone, and I've been doing this for a year now, who has said, you know what, I'm good. I love my bra. I could wear it all day. It's the most comfortable thing. And I'm specifically talking about a wired bra. Of course, a bralette and a sports bra is something different. But this is a wired free, wire-free constructed bra that we are solving all the things that women complain about. So the first one for me would be the cup. In a wired bra, normally, the cup is a U-shape, as if women's breasts were two balls on the front of their body. But as women know, your breast tissue actually extends up under your armpit. And so what our cup shape is, is a soft check mark. So instead of having a U-shape that you're kind of constantly shifting in and Ah. out of, or it's digging right into the side of your boob, it actually goes up under and collects all that breast tissue under your armpit and keeps that all in the cup. And the cup size is why women have had crazy sizes. Like if you look at a woman, she's like, I'm a 34 F. And you look at her and you think, how is that possible? It's because People are going up a cup size to get all that breast tissue in. It doesn't necessarily mean they have all this volume. It just means that their breast tissue is more so on the side and they keep expanding the cup size to get in there. So anyway, that's one of the things that's the most comfortable to me. I literally do not feel like I have this bra on. Previously, I would be the person who came through the door, rip it out through my shirt and throw it on the couch the second I came home. I will wear this bra all day long and not take it off until I go to bed because it is that comfortable. Another thing that we've done is we have try it. super padded straps. So you're never going to have the indentations um, here. What we've also done is in the back, it's inverted the straps. So they're never going to fall off your, your shoulder if you've ever had that issue. And then something else that I, always bothered me about my bras is the hook and eye in the back, how it sometimes kind of poke into you and dig. We actually have a padded back hook and eye. You will not feel anything back there. There's no scratchiness. So. When I say it is the most comfortable I've ever worn, I can put this bra on and never fidget with it for the rest of the day. And if you are used to wearing a bra, you know that that is not the case. You're constantly moving and shifting. So it's an amazing bra. Um, And so I would highly recommend trying it out because why not? Right. Most of you don't love your bra that you're if you're listening right now, you're probably thinking like, I freaking hate my bra. I had to like take it off just to listen to this podcast right now. So it is definitely worth trying. We have a 30 day wash and wear guarantee. We have free shipping. Um, We have that virtual fitting you can do or you can just order your size online. It is truly worth the risk.
0: Amazing. I mean, I definitely can't wait to get my hand- – And we'll get you a bra. Yeah, I definitely want one. I can't wait to get my – my. I was going to say hands on it, but I can't wait to get my boobs on it. Yes, so you can't wait to get your boobs in it. I can't wait to get my <laughs> – yeah. No, it's all the things. I, I actually don't wear bras anymore. So just, uh um you know – I didn't either. To say, like, yeah, I don't wear bras anymore. I just wear those bralettes now because – I like the, the extra, the, the breast tissue and the armpit. I thought that was armpit fat. I didn't know that that was actually no. breast tissue for so long. And I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's just, those are my boobs. The problem is that
1: what really makes me sad is that a lot of women are like, it's my body. There's something wrong with my body that these bras are not comfortable. And it is absolutely not the case. The problem is the bra industry and the way these bras have been designed for how they look when someone's looking at you. They have not been designed for how you feel when you're in them. And so that is why we are on a body first mission. We are building products that are specific to a woman's body. It's not about what people think when they look at you. It's about how you feel in them. And if you could... Imagine a world that you could put your bra on in the morning and not feel it, not futz with it, not have it dig into you all day long, how life-changing that would be. And of course, bralettes and sports bras are very comfortable, but most women would like a bra where they can have that lift separation and support, you know, like you don't want a uni boob. So if you're looking for the lift separation and support, and oh, by the way, it's certified clean, so you don't have to worry about formaldehydes or toxic dyes leaching into your body, this is going to be the bra for you.
0: Perfect. I cannot wait to get my boobs in and uh, actually get rid of this Uniboo because that's what usually happens in my bralettes too. So all of the things that we need. Ali, was such a fun conversation. Congratulations on um, taking this role as CEO. I think that it's really empowering and, you know, I think it's a it's it's a really beautiful story. Um, uh, not only just like I love that it's your story, but I'm really inspired by it and hopefully can inspire many other women that might even be in the professional field or are or, or, or are entrepreneurs that can say, hey, you know, that there could be someone else founded a company that I can come in and add my value and expertise to. And um, you're so passionate about um about your product and about your company. And I cannot wait to try it. And I cannot wait to hear your aha moments as a CEO. So you've gotta, you've gotta text me in and, and keep me posted on those.
1: I would love to. Yeah. If there's one thing I could just leave everyone with is that whenever you're scared, so it, when an opportunity comes your way and you feel fear, it usually means that's something you are you need to lean into. I, and I, fear is, is not necessarily something to lean away from. And I'm not the first person to say this, but I can now say, because I've experienced it fully, it's something you need to lean into. There's something to learn there. There's something more there that you need to analyze. And I just think about this past year, and if I would not have said yes, how... I've had so much growth personally, professionally, my network, the women I've met, the support, the people. It's just incredible. All by saying yes to something that terrified me. But I thought, you know what? If I don't say yes, then I'm going to always wonder. And so I would just tell women out there to think, if there's something out there that makes you scared, there's something that's really fearful, there's, there's a reason to take a second look and really look at that opportunity.
0: I agree. In a world of no, say yes. Yes, I exactly. love it. Thank you, Ali, And we'll see you guys next week at CEO School. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers through the door is even harder. But getting paid shouldn't have to be. This is where Stacks Payments is here to help. As an intuitive platform for invoicing, recurring billing, in-person, as well as online payments, Stax is a one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stax has one flat fee for the month instead of percentages you can't understand. Stop spending time tracking down customers or payment tools that fail on you. Set your automations up with Stax Payments today. As CEO and founder of Stax and CEO School, it's been my mission to support female leaders, founders, and CEOs. With Stacks, I'm able to do so by providing fast, easy, and affordable way to process payments every day for you. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag. So don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.